Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Welcome to episode 12. This week, we drop the knowledge and the Midwestern accents as I speak with fellow Big Ten alum, Allison Eddie Salazzo from the University of Wisconsin and current director of club business development for the NHL. I really enjoyed speaking with Allison. First, we touch on the NHL bubble and their successful execution of the first awarded championship during the global pandemic of 2020. Really incredible work and so interesting to hear just how collaborative and innovative the league is. This episode follows the early days of Allison's career and how she landed her first job, to moving cross-country for a new opportunity, to preparing for an interview, and just how much work it takes, to the things you need to do today to be a better version of yourself tomorrow. Allison is direct, and Allison is human. She's an incredible talent, and I know you'll enjoy hearing from her as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. Let's level up in episode 12, Prepare, Determine, Courageous, with Allison Eddie Salazzo, Director of Club Business Development for the NHL, because leadership is female. Allison Eddie Salazzo is a sports and entertainment business executive specializing in corporate partnerships, integrated media, and fan engagement. She has spent her career launching new initiatives in the front office of the Miami Dolphins, San Diego Padres, and currently the National Hockey League as the Director of Club Business Development. Allison works directly with the teams on generating partnerships revenue, forecasting and implementing new league-wide revenue initiatives and sharing partnership insights across the league. She's a proud University of Wisconsin alum and lives with her husband in Manhattan. Since she is originally from the state of hockey, she still time, finds time to lace up the skates. Allison, welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Oh, pumped. I'm totally pumped. So I know I read your bio, um, but I'd love to hear from you and for the listeners to hear from you who you are, what you do, and how you got there. I'd love to share. Uh, so yes, I'm Allison Eddie Salazzo, Director of Club Business Development at the National Hockey League. As you mentioned, I'm responsible for generating revenue for both league and teams alike. This can be done a number of ways, but the most Prevalent ways, I'd say, include rolling out net new league-wide assets, sharing best practices, uh, building out revenue insights and analytics, uh, negotiating new and existing league partnerships and team partnerships, gosh, increasing communication between the league and the teams, and, and really thinking outside the box, right? Coming up with new ideas and solutions every single day. I am a lover of people, the outdoors, and adventure. And you currently reside in Manhattan. What has that been like um, in this crazy year of 2020? Gosh, what hasn't it been like is probably the answer. It's been everything. Uh, it's March, March, April, May 
were a little dark. The city was going through a really tough time and we were in the middle of it. And, you know, people who visit New York City or live in New York City love it because of its energy and its people and its vibrancy. And a lot of that was was gone or at least masked because it was, a lot, you know, a little scary. We, we were stuck inside, um, you know, but it started to come back slowly but surely. And by the time, you know, end of summer slash midsummer hit, the city had its vibrancy back. People were outside wearing masks, following rules and, and really making New York what it is and what it should be. That's wonderful to hear and inspiring. I mean, I think as people were adaptable and um, at our core, we can do what we need to do to get it done. And I think everybody is craving some version of life as normal, even if that means going out with a mask, practicing social distancing, I remember early on, I was sitting in my office in March and we were, I had sports center on and I was watching all of this unfold really through the eye of sports. I feel like I got a little bit of a leg up on the pandemic watching sports center because I felt like we were the first to be affected. And somebody came on that was interviewed and said, get used to the term social distancing and the term was completely novel in March, and now it's part of our dialogue literally every single day. And there's stickers all over my stadium telling you exactly how to be separated from the person next to you. It's challenging, right? Human connection is absolutely essential to well being. So, how do you get that when you're isolated or at home quarantining or six feet away? It's, it's tough. But I feel like, to your point about being resilient and getting through anything, you find a way. You always do. People always do. And sports have been such a huge part of us getting back to quote unquote normal, even if the sports landscape looks a lot different than it did pre-pandemic. The NHL was um, one of the first to get back up and running, um, the first to award a championship and do so very successfully. Can you talk about that? Sure can. Huge undertaking for our league, our teams, the PA, everybody involved. Um, it took a lot of man, woman, people power um, in all across North America and, and likely globally as well. And after months of planning and, you know, rejiggering the plan, which you had to do during a time like this because the landscape was changing so dramatically, um, we came up with a solution to have two separate bubbles, one in Edmonton and one in Toronto, north of the border, because they're there's more testing there. I mean, there's a variety of reasons um, that made those two locations the best place for a bubble. We sent our, our playoff teams into those two regions and resumed the season. We, we kicked off the postseason. And it, the real tip of the cap and, you know, hockey, hockey stick tap, if you're going to keep going with the hockey terms, um, is to our commissioner, Bettman, right? Our deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, and then our events team who were in those two bubbles for months at a time without their families working around the clock to make it happen. Um, very proud that there were zero positive tests, very happy for the lightning and all the teams that were part of that experience. And um, honestly, just proud to be a part of the league during such a challenging and, and successful time. Yeah, I agree. It's a time that we never thought we'd have to add to our set of experiences. But if you're looking at it through the positive lens, I think there's a lot that can be extracted 
from this. And one of the things I think that doesn't get talked about much is um, the front office and, and the employees that have to be a part of this bubble and be a part of the undertaking in order to get sports back up and running again. Um, what did that look like? I mean, what type of movement did it take to get the people in the places where they needed to be and then working within a bubble with limited exposure and successfully zero positive COVID tests? I wish I could speak to everybody's experience, but it was so nuanced and so detailed, I won't even do it justice. I do know that there were so many protocols in place to keep our staff and players and um, really everyone involved in the bubble operation safe. You, you know, you were tested daily, you had, um, you know, sort of these checks and balances before you entered different parts of the bubble, you were wearing masks, you had certain places you could go within the bubble, but were really confined to a specific area for as long as you were playing. Um, I can tell you from my personal experience in preparing for this, as soon as we knew what the format of the postseason would look like, we got together and came up with, mostly led by our executive staff, um, a plan to help our teams recoup some of the revenue that they lost with the cancellation of a few home games and the remainder of the regular season um, in the postseason. So we provided additional, you know, highly visible assets for them to use um, to make good on some of the assets and in, in corporate partnerships that should have been delivered at home. Um, and this provided a significant value figure to a lot of local team partners. We were still able to deliver in full above and beyond for all of our corporate partners at the league level as well. I mean, to recoup that type of revenue in a time where the sports industry is really hurting when you can't fulfill on these promises is really, really incredible. And so I want to ask you a little bit more about your role specifically. Working for the league office, what does your day-to-day, season-to-season look like? I, I know this is a stock answer, but it varies day by day. And I think that's honestly the reason why I love it so much is because it does, but I'll, I'll go deeper. Um, work in sports, the variety, right? That's right. The wearing of different caps by yes. the hour. Um, I think most often you'll find me on the phone with a team partnership or revenue lead talking through a business solution or a challenge that they're having. Um, and that's probably the most fun part of my job is because I get to take the insights that I have access to at the league level and then through all the different conversations I have with different teams and then pair it with my personal experience to come up with a solution. That's, that's really rewarding for me personally. Um, I'm probably working with partners, the other you know, 10%, maybe 15% of the time or prospects coming up with new strategies to get their rights and advertising down to the local level or inverse, right? Team partners who want to do a national partnership. That's also within um, my discipline. A lot of that takes negotiating skills and proactiveness and sort of finding the right fit. Um, and I love the challenge of that. I often work with analytics on coming up with new dashboards for teams to use to make their business smarter and give them insights that they can benchmark their own success against. 
forecasting new revenue initiatives. So before you roll out any you know, new asset league-wide, you have to understand and pitch the value that it's going to bring to each team and then the league as a whole. So that's really fun and challenging. And sometimes we rely on third-party vendors to help us do that. Um, I also manage our team or club esports initiative. So I, that's not you know, a day-to-day specific role, but it is interesting because that's a new space. And we're looking to integrate our club esports tournaments with the larger league model in the coming years. So understanding what each team is doing and how they're incorporating partners into it and really sort of defining what it means to play NHL 20 or 21 or any esports game or, you know, e-game is, is really fun and exciting. And then I guess the other 5% call it or whatever is left in the pie, uh, looking at sort of the full day of responsibilities would go towards helping our tech partners install new technology initiatives at the league level and in our NHL arenas as it relates to a few specific partners that we have on board right now. Like any sports job diverse um, within within that subset. Interesting about the eSports initiative. I know that's something that we're all thinking about a lot and I'm really interested to see how that area of our business blossoms in the future. Have you seen any uptick in the eSports arena during this this time, during the time where we're all home a lot more? Yeah, absolutely. That's another reason why it's front and center right now. Um, a number of our teams, you know, haven't played since the season ended, which for them was in March or perhaps end of February. And they won't start until we regain our season um, and start the 2021 season. So and we don't know when that will be, you know, we're targeting January 1st and that looks likely, but if you think about it from a team's perspective, that's 10 months of of not playing the sport and being in front of fans. So what do you do during that time? You come up with new platforms and one of those is esports. So we're seeing um, a number of new tournaments at the team level come to fruition and registration through the roof, engagement through the roof and and really new new people and fan fans kind of subscribing and signing up to play, which is another added bonus and certainly an objective of an esports initiative is to expand this the group and demo of people you're currently talking to that are fans of your team. Yeah, absolutely. It's another way to add to, to that fan uh, funnel is offering a new product and esports has certainly been a great opportunity for this year. So working in corporate partnerships, can you uh, touch on a little bit what brands are looking for today? What are some of the trends that you can identify? Sure. If I'm a brand, and I'm looking to spend you know, my marketing or partnership budget, um, and I'm not on the brand side, as you know, so take this with a grain of salt, but from my perspective and what I hear is they're looking for a true partner. They're looking for someone who comes to the table and, and listens and says, okay, this is what you're actually trying to accomplish. Here are the things I heard you say, here are your objectives, and then come back with a fully customized solution on how to do just that and, and measure it along the way, right? If something's not working, then you tweak it and you say, we're going to get you back to where you need to be or get on track to meet that objective. And we're going to try a different approach. Um, a lot of our partnerships, and I, I should say all of them are centered around this belief that we are true partners and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure you feel like your needs are, are met and we're achieving or overachieving the accomplished or the objectives we set out to accomplish. And that's really the beauty of sports partnerships is 
they're so malleable. We have so many ways to partner, um, so many assets that are available to meet the different objectives. That That's why I feel it's so valuable for fans. I mean, it's not only that one-to-one -one relationship building through hospitality, but it's lead generation, it's, it's major branding, it's, you know, really getting in front of those rabid fans. Um, it's, it's a really dynamic place. And as you stated so eloquently, the partnerships work best when they're customized and measured. I can't forget the measured piece because that's what I'm all over the team about constantly. How are we measuring? We have to report uh, you know, the results of this partnership and it's no longer a photo of their sign on the field. There's a lot more that goes into it. Agree. So more on you, Allison, uh, tell us about the tipping point in your career. You've had some such wonderful experiences working with big, big teams and now with the NHL, um, what's, what was the tipping point for you? I think there are two that come to mind. One at the beginning of, of all this, and I guess the beginning of the career, and then one more recently. Um, and both of them involve some storytelling. So hopefully um, that's okay. Love it. The first uh, involves a, what, what was I, a sophomore in college um, trip to uh, Gainesville, or not Gainesville, Georgia, the coast of Georgia with my friends, uh, basically we were staying for spring break in my grandparents' condominium when I got the opportunity to interview for an internship in Florida. Um, and, and being, I guess, who I am, I said, absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Just tell me when and where. And I bought a suit, jumped on a Greyhound bus and changed into my suit in the Starbucks bathroom and decided like in that moment Sorry, Granny and Pops, when I left my, you know, friends in your condo, I don't know if they know that to this day, um, that that was my day, that this is my job, this is my role to earn, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they know that I am the right person for this job, and that I will do whatever it takes to, to be the, an integral part of the success of the organization. Like, I was determined to show that I would work harder than any other candidate. And apparently that came through in the interview because um, I, I was offered the internship for the Florida Panthers in, uh, yeah, in Broward County and um, the Miami Dolphins. And I took the job at the Miami Dolphins, which then set me off um, on a full-time career path with them after I graduated college. So I, I, I tell this story to say like, with great risk comes great reward and to take chances and believe in yourself because it's, it's, you know, it's your career path to pave. And even just getting on that bus, which I didn't take many gray on buses as a 19 year old um, and, and showing up scored me my full-time position after I graduated college. And I graduated in a time that wasn't great for the economy. There weren't many full-time positions to be had. Um, so that was a tipping point for me is landing that and then setting myself up for that next, next step. So sometimes you take a Greyhound bus to start your career. I love it. I love it. And what I also heard you say is that from the get-go, you were willing and you had the attitude that you were going to work harder than everyone else. And I can tell you to this day, I actually, I have a custom 
uh, Louisville Slugger bat in my office that says, be a workhorse, and then Emily Jansen underneath it. And for me, it serves as a reminder that the reason I get to sit in the office I'm in today is because I'm a workhorse. I'll do what it takes and I'll put in the extra effort to get it done for the team. You know, you, that's how you started your career with, I'm going to do it. And with great risk comes great reward. Um, taking time away from a trip with your friends to go to the interview. I mean, all of those things led, let set you off on the correct uh, career path. I, I'm very thankful for the courage to do it. And the, I think the foresight just to know that it was the right thing to do. Um, it didn't feel so right when I was saying goodbye to, you know, a couple of days of great time growing up in, in the Midwest, any sort of sunshine in March was like unheard of. So uh, that was a hard thing to leave in the review mirror, but certainly something I knew at the time that was, was worthwhile and, and so important. I hear I you on that. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada and Illinois, definitely. And I know you can relate. Totally. Um, well, another theme in your career is that you've moved a lot. So starting at the UW, first job is in Miami. You know, you've gone all over the country and that's a lot about how you get that next opportunity. Tell us a little bit about what it's been like to move um, back and forth from coast to coast. Happy to. In fact, that's an awesome segue into that second sort of later in life tipping point that is, is different than the first one because it took, um, the first one I think took courage and then the second took um, a greater belief in, in myself and what's out there. Um, so I was sitting in San Diego and I, I don't know if any of your listeners have been to San Diego or California, but it is absolutely gorgeous. It's like the epitome of of what a city should be. It's, it's paradise. It's paradise, <laughs> year round, gorgeous. I mean, I worked for the Padres and that front office was awesome. I had an incredible boss. You know, the, the culture was great. You know, the, it, was, it was an awesome, I loved my role. Everything was great. Um, and I still was suppressing this need to kind of do more and be more. And, and every day I knew I was suppressing that need and so one day I, I sort of woke up and said, like, it's, it's, I can't stay here for the rest of my life. Like I could and be really happy, but I know I'm capable of more. Um, so I doubled down on myself and my contacts and said, you know, what, what else is out there? And that led me to um, getting in touch with the CRO of the NHL, which is the role I'm currently in, to come in and interview for it. And the two weeks, and I, I tell this story because there's a lesson obviously involved. I, I didn't sleep really. I just, all I did was prepare this presentation that outlined why I was the best candidate, what I would do when I got into this job, right? My 30, 60, 90 day plan. Um, and that, which is a shout out to one of my mentors, Jim, who, who walked me through kind of how to set that up in, in a presentation. And then I dusted off my old Photoshop skills and put it, brought it to life, basically like showcased what I thought we could do or I could do and we could do as a league if I were in this role. And the three people that I interviewed with, um, who are my three bosses today, I didn't let them leave the interview until I was done presenting to them. Like, I was like, you are going to take this copy home and you're going to read it if you can. And I'm still going to walk you through it. So there's a bit of determination there. And um, certainly the hard work that goes into getting the job. Um, I knew that on paper, I had most of the requirements, but I didn't have all of them, like any job out there. 
So the point that I wanted to make is that sometimes you have to show people that your, you know, maybe your your gaps are things you can learn or have already taught yourself. And that's what I I learned how to do certainly during that process, which was a tipping point to get this current role. Hey, just a quick break to remind you to head on over to emilyjansen.com to download your free copy of the top 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. This guide will debunk the top myths and lead you to the top. This guide will show you what's possible to achieve in life while having an incredible career in sports. Head on over to Emily Jansen, that's J-A-E-N-S-O-N.com and grab your copy. It's free. Now let's get back to this great interview. That is really incredible information. And you said the hard work that goes into getting the job. And I really want to highlight that because I think a lot of people stop with the hard work getting the interview. So there's goes so much into like applying and crafting your resume and all the outreach, like getting to the interview. But you just really told us, and then what? So you put in the work, incredible work into how you were going to show up in that interview and going so far as to creating a 30, 60, 90 day plan for a role that you had not yet earned really showcased what an all-star you would be for them. Should they give you the job? How much time did that take putting together that, that uh, presentation? Can you quantify that? Give us a little idea of how much work you should be putting in. I wish I could. I don't think I can. It was that many hours. Like I, I, wanted to make it data-driven. So I watched every video I could find on NHL.com showcasing the different dashboard partners um, for every team, and then did an analysis of what category those partners fell in. And um, that alone took like, I don't know, two days worth of, of time. And then I leaned on some great connections and resources to talk me through their experiences in the industry and what, you know, they think would be a good thing to present. So that's the other point in this is like, if you keep strong relationships and connections, they can really pay dividends in helping you land that new job and, and lead with confidence. Well, I think the answer is perfect. I mean, you put in so much time, you weren't even able to quantify. So I'll turn that around on the listeners and ask them how much time are you putting into a free interview? Are, are you really putting in that extra effort to make sure that you get the role. So what a, what a shining example. So you land this job, uh, you've gone coast to coast, you've done the moves. Uh, what are some of the biggest hurdles in your career and how did you overcome those? That's an interesting question because for any male, female, any professional, and I'd love to hear your answer to this. There are many, there's, da- there's hurdles daily. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I would say my biggest hurdle is, is actually sometimes my biggest advantage. And that's, and this is going to sound cheesy at first, but hear me out, is that I really like what I do. I'm actually passionate about working. So what happens when that's the case is work bleeds into personal life and it's hard to turn off. And I sometimes forget to prioritize or just choose to prioritize work and career over personal life. And that has costs. Um, it, it's costly to sometimes mental or physical health, relationships, 
hobbies, interests, you name it. And uh, I'm constantly trying to kind of clear this hurdle. And I think daily, I remind myself how to do it. Um, and a couple ways that I've learned is to be more direct. If there's a challenge or a problem, pick up the phone and address it. Don't expend that mental or emotional effort at, you know, on your own, kind of spinning your wheels. Just be direct and solve it. Figure it out right away. Don't, don't let it simmer. I mean, sometimes it's good to let some space some space clear, but um, I've learned how to state objectives at the start of a meeting and end the meeting as soon as you meet those objectives. You don't have to make it last 30 to 60 minutes or whatever's on the calendar. Um, I've learned how to prioritize. Gosh, I mean, it seemed like in the beginning of my career, everything was urgent. And in some ways it feels that way because you're constantly trying to prove yourself. But the more experience you get, the more you realize that not everything is urgent and you can easily prioritize tasks based on the time sensitivity and the importance. And that's a huge lesson and something that I try to think about every single day. So, so I, I'm not sure I've cleared the hurdle. I, I might some days work around the hurdle or drive around the hurdle or walk around the hurdle. Um, but if you, if you kind of wake up with the intention to, to do those things that I just mentioned, in the long run, you're, you're gonna clear the proverbial hurdle. You mentioned one of my favorite words, which is intention and prioritization. And um, every morning when I wake up, before I start the day, I review my calendar. What did I commit to doing? I uh, prioritize the most important things I need to get done that day and um, really set the intentions around that. And I think for employees, one of our biggest challenges today is email. Email is other people's priorities for you. Yes, it's a great way to continue correspondence, but if you let your email tell you what to do all day long, you're not gonna get anything done off of your priority list. So making sure that you schedule, schedule that time. Um, and I share the personal life piece with you as well. Um, I love working. I love my work. I love taking on challenges, but I also have a family and um, I try to find some hobbies. It's hard to stick with a lot of them when you know, you're taking on new tasks with the job, but, but I definitely share that with you. And specifically in this industry where it's, it's a lifestyle at, and at some point, um, it's not an eight to five and you're shutting it all off. It bleeds into your weekends, it bleeds into your holidays. And um, there's some, some semblance of work-life integration, but I think it's important that you don't lose yourself in that. And so one of the things that I, I make a priority almost every day is exercise. Helps me clear my mind and makes me better at my job. And um, I've been known to go and encourage my staff to go. We have a couple of gyms right downtown. Um, go during your lunch break if you can't do it before work and you've got meetings after work that's fine with me. If you come back with greater intention and energy to complete your day, I'd rather you do that than try to slog it out for nine hours sitting at your desk. I love that. I think that's so important. And that's at the root of every, like athletics and exercise is a, a core part of working in sports. So to hear you say that you lead with that is awesome. It's so nice for your employees. Can I ask you to share any tidbits that tips you've learned on how to balance family and time? I mean, in a role like yours as a female, especially, which is you're the first female GM 
right in AAA in, in years. Um, how, how do you make it all happen? Yeah, it's challenging. It's my biggest hurdle every single day and not in a negative way. Um, it's, it's just part of my part of my life. I mean, my mornings, I've got to wake up earlier um, so I can have that time to set my intentions because when my boys get up, I got to make their breakfast, make their lunches, get them dressed. They're little, you know, get them off the school. And then also in that mix is my husband who also needs my attention and attention to our relationship. So part of my best advice is make, make sure that you have a great partner in life who understands the things that you want to achieve and why you want to do it. I have those conversations with my husband on the regular. This is what I want to do. And here's why I want to do it. This is what it'll do for our family, or this is how it's going to make me happy personally. And he understands that happy, a happy wife um, is, is happier for our kids, for our family. And so um, we have a, a great dialogue about how to get that done. Um, it's, it's definitely challenging. I went through my first, with my first son, I was uh, nine months pregnant standing on the concourse in, you know, four inch wedges, like on our last home game, you know, I 70 games straight through at least five and a half innings of every game. And if you know the baseball schedule, that's like nine, 10 games sometimes in a row. So it's, it's grueling. And I, I, you know, sometimes we get in these little, my husband and I get in these little arguments because he's like, you know, you don't have to do all this stuff. But I, I see the picture as a bigger picture. It's not just about me. It's about that next person. Um, it's about that next woman and leading her forward. And you don't have to do it exactly like me. I'm not ever saying that, but what I am showing you is that there are options and there are pathways to get that done. And um, yeah, I mean, you got to know what's important in life. And I think this year has taught us a lot about what those things are and um, don't let your life pass you by. I'm really adamant about 2020. This year has been so challenging and seems too many people in my life are wishing it away. And I think, man, how blessed are we to be alive today? Like you just, you've got to look at that silver lining. What can you do today to be better for tomorrow? Who can you show up for? Whose day can you make? You know, those are the things that really power me forward and um, help during a challenging time. Help me balance, proverbial, like balance it all. There's never, you're never, you know, spinning all the teacups like in the same direction. But if you're doing your best and trying to show up for everybody and, and be honest um, with yourself and the people around you, uh, it, it makes it all just a tad bit easier. Um, beautifully said. The one thing I'll add to that is I was on the phone with the, um, the partnership lead and, and he said, we have this great sort of mentality that we've had since March. And it is this understanding that a third of the teams during this challenging time, or a third of people you could say, are going to flop, fall on their backs, don't know what to do. The other third are going to sort of meander, under, not understand how to navigate this time. And the remaining third are going to excel. They're going to find a way and they're going to excel. We are going to be in that top third. And so all over the facility and, and in the office, he has posted 
you know, the operations team is supposed to find a way. And I love that. I, I walked off, you know, I got off the phone and was like, I need to, I need to think about that more often. That's, that's pretty cool. That's so perfectly stated. And I can tell you that's hundred percent accurate as well. Um, and that's the message we've been sharing. Like, let's be the ones who thrive during this time. If we can't do events, what is it that we can do? And for us, it's been work on our business practices. And I think that, you know, we are going to be off to the races the moment we get the chance to do that uh, because we've taken this time not to just sit back and let the world happen around us, but march through every day with intention on uh, things that we want to get done and ways to get better for our team and uh, for the community that supports us. So true. So we've given so much advice. You've shared so much awesome insight for everybody. And I wanted to ask if you have one thing or maybe more than one thing, what is your advice for, for women today that they can work on to level up in their career? Loaded question. I'll try to be concise because one of my pieces of advice is for women professionals, but especially women to be concise, be bold, believe in yourself and be human. I think so many times we're focused on being mature and professional and authoritative. We forget, maybe this is a generalization, but forget to be human above all. Um, so that would be those kind of four or five takeaways. I think another one is um, that great things never come from comfort zones. Expand your, your limits, push yourself, and you'll find that you're in a better position afterward than you were before. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a quote from Billie Jean King, and she was actually leading a crusade in 1970 for women to essentially receive the same sort of prize money as men. And she said, everyone thinks women should be thrilled when we get crumbs. And I want women to have the cake, the icing, and the cherry on top too. And I say that because it's obviously women have come so far since 1970 globally and in our industry, but it serves as a reminder for me on a regular basis to never forget to strive to achieve things that have never been done. Goosebumps. Literally, I have goosebumps. I love that message so, so much. I think you perfectly summarize all the, all the ways that we need to lean into who we are and how we should behave to get to the next level. And I'll ask you, because it seems to come naturally to you, but can you share what are the ways that we can practice being bold? For some people, they may uh, label themselves or test into being an introvert. How do you, how do you be bold in that type of environment? Um, and how do you get comfortable being uncomfortable? I think a very couple of very easy way, ways is to, when you're walking into a meeting, lift your shoulders a little bit and, and take a seat. Don't wait for the room to fill up and then, you know, take a seat if there's one available. Just know that you, you earn that seat. You're, you're invited to the meeting. So many people sit in the back and wait and be bold, take it and contribute. Um, another thing is to raise your hand. Sometimes the biggest step you can take if there's a project or a new initiative is just to say, I want it, put me on it. 
you know you have too much going on already and it's going to be difficult, but just putting yourself out there, letting your bosses know what you want, being direct every year, like this is what I'm looking for. These are my goals. Having that conversation, scheduling time, it can seem scary. Everybody's moving in a million different directions, but just to lay it on the line and, and say like, this is what I'm working towards. Can you help me get there? Um, is sometimes enough just to make sure that you're continued, continually thought of. Um, and then last but not least, if you have any sort of doubts about what you can or cannot do, take a pen and paper and remind yourself, you, you can, you will, and you're worth it. Like you, you will absolutely find a way to make it happen. You are here for a reason. I'm smiling so big right now because this advice, I hope you all are listening. Take a seat at the table, raise your hand. Don't be afraid to say that I want it. Remember how hard you've worked to earn the role you have today. All of these things, we, we just, we can't forget it. And it's, it's part of building confidence is building yourself up. And sometimes you have to do it every day. And I think that's a great practice is to really, you know, walk with, walk tall, pull your shoulders back, stand tall, do the power pose, whatever it is you have to do, um, pump yourself up for your life and for your career. And finally, you shared an awesome quote from Billie Jean King, but do you have another one? Uh, yeah, sure. I've got, got quotes for days. Um, <laughs> I saw that. So I had to ask. I would say the last one is to challenge your limits. Don't limit your challenges. I think that's all that needs to be said. A reason why you are the female leader that you are, Allison Eddie Salazzo, Director of Club Business Development for the National Hockey League. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Did Allison bring it or what? Can you believe how much we covered in less than 40 minutes of conversation? Incredible. Allison is a superstar and I'm thrilled to be able to share her generous advice with all of you. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, sometimes you take a Greyhound bus to an interview while on vacation with your friends and change into your brand new suit in a Starbucks bathroom. If you are willing to take the opportunity when it presents itself, which is usually on your employer's time, not yours, the doors of your career were open real wide. Number two, put the work into the actual interview. Take your interview to the next level by putting in the hard work to get the job. Be prepared to show people that areas in your resume that may be perceived as gaps are things you can learn or that you have already taught yourself. Number three, be direct. Don't expend your mental and physical energy working around an issue or uncomfortable conversation. Get right into it, close a topic, end a meeting on time, and get on with your priorities. Number four, be concise, be bold, believe in yourself, and be human. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up. Head on over to emilyjansen.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's emilyjanson.com.
Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us.